Father, thank you so much for this time. Lord, we are often so distracted by so many things. Um, and now, um, possibly one of our, our chief distractions of the past few weeks, our children being in, have been taken away from us. Um, so we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord, that we're able to do this. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us as we look at your word this morning. Would, be, would we be comforted and challenged and equipped to live more fully for you? Ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Okay, I've got a list of things, and I hope you can see what they all have in common. So here's the list. Stretching, eating healthily, flossing, backing up the files on your computer, cleaning out your email inbox. Stretching, dieting, flossing, backing up the files on your computer, cleaning out your email inbox. What do they all have in common? You have no idea, because only I know. <laughs> These are all things that are good for us to do, and yet we don't do them as often as we could or perhaps should do. Like, is there anything worse than whenever you go to the dentist, back when you could go to the dentist, and they say, have you been flossing? And you're just like, oh, Lord, I'm a Christian, I can't lie. I've not been flossing, even though I know it's good for me. Today, we're thinking about praying and fasting. Two things the Bible tells us are good things to do, and yet we don't do them as often as we could or perhaps we should. And if you're unfamiliar with the concept of praying and fasting, we're doing both of them together this morning. So here's a quick little overview. We, we had read to us Matthew 6, which is Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, talking about living life in the kingdom. Um, and this is the last in our series of being a Christian in 2021. And what's interesting, as, you, as we had this read to us, you'll notice that Jesus assumes that followers of him will pray and will fast. So he assumes that you will pray and that you will fast. So here's some definitions. Praying is one of the ways Christians enjoy relationship and communicate with God. Fasting is going without food for some limited time for a spiritual purpose. Although Martin Lloyd-Jones helpfully points out that this isn't limited just to food. Here's a quote from him. Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some sp spiritual purpose. Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. So we see in Daniel, he doesn't eat the delicacies in Babylon to show his devotion to God. We see in Corinthians, Paul says, to abstain from sex so that you may pray. So it, it can be going without something you love for a certain amount of time, which means everyone has the ability to fast in some way. And it's, it's an obvious clarification, but you can't fast from things that you don't enjoy. So you can fast from your in-laws, you can fast from vegetables. Kids, you can't say to your mom and dad, oh, this week I'm doing no schoolwork because I'm trying to be more serious as a follower of Jesus. You can only fast from things that you enjoy. And, and what we need to understand is that the Bible teaches that you can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without praying. Otherwise, that's just called going hungry. Let, let me say that again. You can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without praying. Because fasting is a way to encourage and focus our prayer life. This is why often people fast at times of great need, of, of great sadness, or whenever they're in a spiritual slump. So, so why does Jesus assume that his followers will pray and fast? Well, it's because throughout the Old Testament, we see time and again that God's people 
pray and fast. So here are some examples. King David prays whenever he is repenting, whenever he is confessing his sin to God. We, we see that again corporately as Daniel prays in Daniel chapter 9 and 10. We see God's people time and again praying for guidance from God. We see that in Judges 20, and then in the New Testament, we see it in Acts, whenever Paul and Barnabas are sent out on mission after a period of praying and fasting. We see it at a time of concern for God's work. So in Nehemiah, we see the people pray and fast when they're rebuilding the temple. So, so what does that mean for us today? Well, it means you should expect that there should be times of prayer and fasting whenever there's a great need, whether that's confession, repentance, dependence, or guidance in this church. So whether that is staff appointments, elders, vision processes, building projects, you should be expecting there should be times of prayer and fasting. And you should be asking us, why are we not praying and fasting? You know, there have been times throughout this past year, there have been global days of praying and fasting because of the need for God to act in our day. But at the same time, prayer and fasting isn't just something that we do when life is falling apart. It is an opportunity to show love and devotion and worship of God. So think about any time your tummy rumbles, it is almost like an alarm bell to pray. So there's your overview of praying and fasting. But we're not going to go into like the practicalities of how to do it. We can cover that another time. But we need to know, since this is such a helpful weapon in our arsenal, there's inherent dangers of praying and fasting. So this morning, that's what we're going to look at very briefly. The dangers of praying and fasting and the reward or the blessings of praying and fasting. So first, the danger, the chief danger of praying and fasting is what, what we see in the passage. If you look down in front of you in, in Matthew 6, we read that the chief danger is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. This word, the Greek word here means to literally wear a mask. Like an actor in a play wears a mask to play a part. So think about that. You can pray and fast. You can do any spiritual activity and be wearing a mask. You're simply playing the part. It's not who you really are. So, so think about that in this, in this sort of situation. Whenever you pray and fast, you can be like an actor in a play. You're wearing the mask of someone who is devoted to God. When in reality, like the people that Jesus is speaking to here, like the Pharisees, they're doing it for man's approval, adoration, and adulation. So the, these Pharisees at the time would go into the streets and pray really boldly, loudly, and look super spiritual. They would wretch their faces to be like, oh, I'm, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting. I'm so devoted to the Lord. You know, if it was today, you'd imagine them praying and fasting, recording themselves and putting it up on social media. They were doing this all as a performance, a performance for man and not for God. It's, it's quite a, it's a horrible picture, isn't it? Doing all these things, not for the Lord, but for yourself. You know, tonight we're, we're going to be thinking about our partner organizations. And one of our partnerships and mission organizations that we support is Christians in Sport. And they have this really helpful saying, which is, play your sport, do everything for the audience of one. Live in your life in a way that brings honor to God and not yourself. The issue that Jesus is highlighting here is that they were doing all these things for an audience of everyone, not an audience of one. Why is it such a bad thing to do this? Because, well, for one, hypocrisy is not a characteristic of the people of God. 
but also because of the reward, which is the word that Jesus uses in this passage, which is really interesting. The reward is so fleeting. It's so temporary. There's no lasting or immediate satisfaction. And actually, as I'm sure many of us in the room has found, whenever we are playing the part, whenever we're acting, it's a downward spiral because you have to do it again and again and again in order to gain that approval or recognition. You come home exhausted because it's not who you really are. It's false. The danger of praying and fasting is that you do it in such a way that you're performing for other people. Actually, this can be applied to any religious activity, not just praying and fasting. It can be coming to church. It can be serving. It can all be a mask. And that, that could be someone here this morning, day after, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, coming here, doing your duty, putting the mask on, doing your religious performance. Friends, take off the mask. Not literally. Don't literally take off that mask. We need to keep it on. But don't perform. It is so much better to come to church honestly and recognize that we need God's help. We can't play the part Sunday after Sunday because it will exhaust us. And actually, it will rob us of the greatest reward, which is God himself. But the other way this hypocrisy manifests itself is that we end up doing these religious activities to make ourselves feel good enough for God. You know, you wear this mask of being super spiritual in the hope that God will accept you because of your activity or give you what you want. You know, in the weeks in the build-up preparing for this sermon, I would be trying to do this praying and fasting. And whenever I failed and ate food, the rest of the day was a wreck. Limited prayer, limited joy, limited everything. Because even, you know, in theory, I'm a mature Christian. It affects my relationship because I was attributing my performance with my relationship. You know, on Friday, I was really thankful for my Bible in a year. In Zechariah chapter 7, it says this. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? Was it really for me? For 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? That's, that's scary, isn't it? For 70 years, playing that part, wearing that mask, Let's, let's think about this uh, in, in a slightly different way. Have you ever been bought a gift when it clearly was not a gift that was bought for you? So imagine a little boy uh, buys a birthday present for his sister. Cute, right? Adorable. But the little girl then opens the present and it's a football shirt. And it's a football shirt of the boy's favorite team with his name on it in his size. Not so cute anymore, is it? Because the gesture, the gift, it wasn't for his sister, it was all for him. An imperfect illustration, but multiply that countless times. God in heaven, seeing us praying and fasting and knowing it isn't out of love and devotion to him, but for ourselves, to make ourselves feel good. You know, if you've ever gone off anything at Lent before, you, you know, you have that immense satisfaction when you get to the end of 40 days and you haven't eaten any chocolate. You know, everyone's impressed because you're slimmer, you look better, and your family and friends are amazed by your willpower. Well, just speaking for myself, I, I'm doing that in order to impress others, not to, not to show my devotion and love for God. This is something that the people of God have always struggled. They use their religious activity as a basis for their acceptance before God. 
but also as a means to get God to do what we want, which means we either become proud whenever we do successfully pray and fast, or we're crushed whenever God doesn't give us what we want. So often, the basis of our faith becomes our performance and not our relationship, which is why it's so good that it's Jesus here who's talking about praying and fasting, because he assumes that we will pray and fast because of who he is, because he's the bread of life, because he's the good shepherd, the one who can satisfy and provide for our every need. So this morning, as you leave, think I have the opportunity to pray and fast, not in order to earn a relationship with God, but rather as a joyful overflow of your heart, out of delight and not duty. Of course, dangers abound, but thankfully so do blessings. Which brings me to the, the second point, which is the rewards or the blessings of praying and fasting. The first blessing is that it shows you your sin. Nothing shows your sin quite like a hungry tummy. You know, we've, we've, we've all heard this term before, someone is hangry. And if you haven't heard that term before, it means that um, someone is angry because they're hungry. And it's funny, isn't it? Whenever we have little ones, whenever we have little babies and they get fussy and they cry and they moan, we immediately say, oh, they must be hungry. They must be hungry. And yet the older I get, the more I think that this is a simple test for me. Is Dave grumpy? Is he annoyed? Is he irritable? He's probably hungry. You know, there's nothing more uh, condemning in some ways than when your wife comes home from work, spends five minutes with you and says, have you been fasting today? Because you're miserable. <laughs> which, which shows just how much joy and comfort I get from food and not from the Lord. But as that uh, tummy grumbles, it gives you an opportunity to say, Lord, show me my sin. Show me the things that I find comfort in apart from you. So praying and fasting, in a way, is saying to God, Lord, help me desire you more than I desire food. Lord, help me desire you more than I desire food. Lord, show me the things I desire more than you. Lord, help me to desire to pray. And Lord, give me your desires as I pray. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, is this just another example of Christians being miserable? So you have to talk about how rubbish you are on an empty stomach. Surely, surely that's awful. And this is supposed to be the reward section of this sermon. Well, think about it this way. Whenever there's an obstacle or a barrier in a relationship, you spend time removing that obstacle and barrier, right? You work hard because you care about that relationship. As, as we remove those sins, we come closer to the Lord of all the universe. Because one of the great blessings of praying and fasting is that as you do it, you savor God and his gifts all the more. You know, fasting and praying allows us to savor God all the more as we seek him more than food. So praying is our opportunity to spend time with the creator of the whole universe. It's a chance to bring our cares and our burdens to the one person in all of the universe who can actually do something about it, who cares the most and has the power to do something about it. Prayer gives us the opportunity to come before the one person in all the world who should condemn us, who should judge us, who should send us away for all the things we put ahead of him. And yet he doesn't. Whenever you think about it like that, how could we not fast? How could we not pray? God has given us a gracious opportunity to come to him more fully. You know, fasting, it's almost like a multiplier. 
It intensifies our need and desire to pray. Like a magnifying glass, it hones in on those issues. But, but what is more is it helps us appreciate God's goodness all the more. I think one of the reasons why the idea of fasting seems so foreign to us all is because we're so used to feasting and not fasting. We are so used to feasting, not fasting. We are so used to abundance. You know, whenever we do fast and finally have a meal, even the simplest things taste so good. So toast and butter should not be completely amazing, but after a fast, it is one of the best things you'll ever have. Whenever, and actually, just think about that. Whenever you go without some anything, really, for a period of time, whenever it returns to you, you savor it all the more. You know, like a, a complete side point, but how sweet has it been the past few weeks as we've gathered together in person for Life Grips? You know, we've savored that time so much more because we've been without it for so long. You know, whenever we eat again following fasting, we recognize that, that the Lord isn't a miserable father. He gives good gifts. He could have made a world filled with boring, tasteless things. We could have survived on gray gloop with no taste or flavor, and yet he has made a world filled with chocolate, fajitas, potatoes, fill in your own particular vice, uh, because he is a good God who gives good gifts to the world he created. Good things for us to enjoy. Habits of fasting help us to pray thankful prayers. The final and the last, and perhaps the best uh, blessing of praying and fasting is this, is that you experience a foretaste of heaven. You experience a foretaste of heaven. Because as you taste that meal, that food for the first time since you fasted, your longing for food is satisfied, which in some micro way is an echo of eternity in our hearts. You will find in your heart welling up this prayer of thankfulness. Lord, one day in heaven, every longing will be satisfied forever, forever. In that first taste of food, you can stop and think, Lord, one day, everything I've ever longed for, everything I've ever needed will be satisfied in you. Praying and fasting makes us more homesick for heaven as we long for the day when there will be no more hunger, no more longings, when faith will finally be sight and every longing satisfied. We're going to hear a song here that helps us reflect and think on this. It goes like this. There is a hope that stands the test of time, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave to see the matchless beauty of a day divine when I behold his face, when suffering cease and sorrows die and every longing satisfied. Then joy unspeakable will flood my soul, for I am truly home. We pray and we fast until we are truly home, until we finally see the bread of life, the great bridegroom in all his glory, and everything we've ever wanted or needed will be him in front of us forever. That's why we pray and fast, because it helps us consider the good things that are to come. Let me pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much that um, Lord, thanks that we don't have to fast, but we get to fast. We get to pray. Lord, so often um, our, our religious activity can be out of duty and not delight in devotion. Would you help us this week as we think on these things? 
to become more captured by who Jesus is and more homesick for heaven as we taste these echoes of eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.